Welcome to the Dr. Marcy Show. I am Dr. Marcy Campbell, and I'm here to have the conversations about strong mental health and being aware. So an image that I like to consider when I say being aware is this image of a car. So most people only focus on kind of what the path is in front of them. It's pretty narrow in their life, and I'm just kind of hyper-focused on one issue, one thought, one thing to do, or the day or this moment, right? And I just like to help people see clearly outside the side windows, not just the front windows of a car, but the side windows and the rear windows, and maybe even through the sunroof, so that they can have this kind of broadened perspective, this image of, I'm not just looking out the windshield, but there's a whole world around me that I need to to actually put forth the effort to see, to broaden awareness. And so I feel like it becomes kind of this clear picture or image in your life for you to see your circumstance better, maybe how your brain works better, maybe your feelings a little deeper, your actions, and then your reactions. Because I believe when you see more, then you become more. I'll just say that one more time. When you can see more, you become more. And that's my hope is that awareness enables us to become more of who we really are. Um, But that's not my topic of today. My topic of today is I want to explore the concept of balance. That word balance, B-A-L-A-N-C-E, balance. And usually... The concept of balance is associated with figuring out how to manage your time between work, family, health, and self. So usually when you hear the concept of balance, you think, oh, this is going to be a manage my time kind of discussion. But that's not what this is going to be about. This is more the practice of, um, let's say, looking at balance from the perspective of how do I think? What are my perspectives? Um, And more importantly, what is the truth? Because there's a piece of balance in really understanding truth. So it benefits us to recognize how balance works in order to broaden this awareness and and to deepen our mental strength and our mental capacity. So how do I start with that? Well, first, I want to just back up to say 2020. Yep, again, 2020, everybody, it kind of kicked people and in, in ways that they were not expecting. And so they're kind of struggling as they're trying to figure out 2021 and some of the insecurities that go along with what does the future hold? So I kind of go back to 2020 to say, yep, we all experience this phenomenon of what is happening to our world where we could anticipate things before and now we're just not quite sure what's coming up down the road. And it gives us a lot of insecurities, fears, worries, hesitations, et cetera. And for some people, anger, other people, sorrow. And you have all of this kind of blended together in societies all over the world. And what do we do with it? And so I feel like understanding the nature of balance might enable you or help you as you're going through this path and making choices and trying to figure out your mental health at this time. So In 2020, we found that there were a lot of people with strong opinions, especially over social media, right? Like most people know you've got all the different strong opinion memes and the making fun of the other side and that humor, super helpful in some ways, right? But in other ways, damaging. 
Um, you've got media that's promoting one issue, one side, et cetera, versus another side. And that made some people upset. Let's just face it. There was a lot of different rants on social media. There was a lot of different opinions on social media. Um, and this is going to hurt probably a lot of you, but you've got to stick with me as I'm going to delve deeper into the nature of balance, right? But balance requires the ability to see any truth, even on an opposing side. All right, that's a difficult thing because we really want to subscribe to our side of the truth, okay? But balance requires being able to see it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to say you need to go over there and believe it and switch sides of whichever side you're on, right? But it's the ability to go there and look at it and maybe see some of the truth that is over there. Um, and so how is it that we kind of do this? Uh, so let's get, let's get looking at kind of what balance means in real life. When we move, anything physical, right? Picture yourself walking, maybe playing sports, even sitting down requires balance. It requires a physical balance just to move around in this world. Our earth stays together as a circle because of the forces associated with balance. All the time, it requires the opposite side holding it together to be able to stay circular. Gravity requires an airplane to land by balancing the wings. So there's this very physically natural need and requirement for balance. So just consider right there, balance clearly is an important concept of truth living on this earth. And then we all know that the decisions that we make each day require some semblance of balance. We're trying to balance out the time and the things that are important, valuable to us, our priorities, right? But do we recognize that concept the same way when we're looking at balance and truth? When we look at those two concepts together, the balance when we're trying to discover truth, do we recognize the concept of balance in our own perspectives, do we recognize the concept of balance in our relationships? I wanted to share with you today my personal discovery of balance and why the words maybe and sometimes have become two of my favorite answers to questions. <laughs> A really frustrating answer to get. I totally understand. But there's reasons why I love maybe and sometimes. All right. So. For just a minute, I'm going to get a little bit personal for you in how I came to uh, see balance in a much different perspective, okay? My study of the notion of balance came or began with my inner struggle with religion. Now, I know religion's a really tricky topic to talk about, but I just want to be honest with you. My discovery of balance became because of frustration or inner struggle with religion. I'm a Christian, and I belong to a religion in my area. And I suspect that many people of religions all over the world go through some interpersonal struggles, whether they're questioning religious beliefs or particular doctrines. Um, and my inner struggle was essentially a concept of balance. I love truth, and I am a seeker of truth. But I would feel frustrated and I, when I say frustrated, I don't mean anger. What I mean more is this confused frustration 
when talks at the pulpit would contradict each other. So I would say to myself, how can that talk be true, but it contradicts this one over here, but that one's true also. And I would feel this sense of frustration. So which one is true? Which one am I supposed to believe? Which one am I supposed to do? And I couldn't figure it out. This, it was just kind of gnawing at me, right? Um, an example of that would be things such as um, self-reliance as a virtue versus recognizing some people in this world need to travel the world as maybe poor and needy. And what about the concept of mourning with those that mourn in that space? Um, I also noticed that the scriptures contradicted each other. So are we supposed to judge or not judge? Because some of the scriptures say judge and others say don't judge. What about justice and mercy? Two completely opposing concepts in the scriptures. Um, and yet, how are they both true? They're opposites, right? Do we serve one another or are we supposed to be good at being served? Which one is the one that I'm supposed to try to be like? Are we supposed to be patient? Are we supposed to take action? Right? Which one's the truth? And you have talks that are completely opposing and unilateral in the truth or the topic that they're talking about that day. And so it became very confusing and frustrating for me. Which one is the truth? And I would, it would kind of eat at me in your stomach. You know, sometimes when you have a frustration and you're feeling like, what is going on? It's that kind of stomach that's, that's telling you what it is. What I came to understand was, and it took years. I want you to know it took years. What I came to understand was that Jesus Christ is perfect in both truths of opposing truths. He's perfect in both of them. And I'll tell you how I figured that out after the break. You're listening to The Dr. Marcy Show. Welcome back. This is the Dr. Marcy show and you're talking or listening, I guess, to Dr. Marcy Campbell at this point. Um, I appreciate you being with me so we can talk more about strong mental health and awareness. I think um, our ability to have these conversations with our friends, family members, um, enable us to see much more about who we are where we fit in this world and how we are connected to others around us. So thank you so much for joining us today. We are talking about balance and balance between uh, opposing truths. How does that work when you have truths on two, end of a, two ends of a spectrum? How is it possible that they can both be true when they're opposites? And before the break, I, I said that how I came to discover or find ease in my inner frustration with regard to opposing truths in a religious context 
is finally realizing and recognizing that Jesus Christ uh, has the perfect ability in opposing truths on a spectrum. So I think it's easiest to describe justice and mercy. If you consider a line, um, one end of the line, you have justice. And on the other end of the line, you have mercy. The two concepts are opposite of each other. Christ is perfect in both mercy and perfect in justice. Now, how he became perfect, I don't think any of us fully comprehend, probably don't even have the slightest comprehension of it, but he's perfect in it. And I will say that I've come to discover that some of his ability to use two opposing truths perfectly is in experience, it's in perspective, it's in understanding each individual person at the core of who they were, who they are, who they're becoming, what their heart is, what their thoughts are, what their experiences are, how they were raised, how they've interacted, things that have hurt them, things, people that they've hurt, um, all the pains, sorrows, joys that they've experienced in addition to their soul. So this complete understanding of each individual person allows him to make a judgment call of is in this moment, is mercy the best thing for this person? Or in this very moment, is justice the best thing for this person? And see, he has the knowledge of knowing circumstantially which one to use. Then I take that understanding, and I will even call it a limited understanding, but that little piece of understanding and how do we apply that in our lives? Well, I truly believe we're down here on earth to practice. We're here to practice seeing more than we normally can see and making a judgment call. Do I offer mercy in this moment? Or is it time for me to say, I've got to make a judgment call and I either have to, you know, maybe I have to punish a child right? Use some form of justice. Maybe it's this moment in this child's life where they need to have a consequence and I'm using justice. Maybe it's a moment in time where I need to help out my child and offer mercy. And we're getting to practice that all the time in this life. Two opposing truths and making a judgment call or practicing which one to use at any given time. So it's a little tricky and can be overwhelming, right? Because guess what? You're not going to do it perfectly, just like I'm not doing it perfectly. But we learn each time we try. And we grow each time we try. So I am grateful that I've been able to learn a little bit more of Christ's ability to be perfect in opposing truths. And quite frankly, it's helped me relax listening to different talks from the pulpit, or when I read the scriptures of opposing truths, because then I realize it's okay. I need to hear the one that I need to hear today. And it's okay if it's not the full notion of the truth. I know there's another side of the coin to this talk or to this scripture, but today maybe that's the one I needed to hear and that's okay. And that's lessened my frustration, my inner frustration. So I'm really grateful for that. So how do we do this? Um, how do we in this life see opportunities to recognize truth on two opposing sides? And then what do we do with it? What do we do with this balance? So I'm just going to throw out some 
situations that you come to in your life where balance is required to see two opposing truths. There's balance in relationships. That's a really good one, right? Because relationships can be tricky for most people. Some, some relationship in life is going to be tricky, whether it's your spouse, with a child, with a boss, with a friend, with another relative, et cetera, right? So there's, there can be some tricky ones. And how do we see balance in relationships? Well, let's say some relationships, you have givers and takers, And I would say, which one are you? And be honest with yourself, which one are you? Are you a giver or are you a taker? Are you someone who expects a lot from other people? Are you someone who's constantly giving of yourself? If you lean too far on the end of the line to giver, it's time for you to learn to be a taker. Because you matter as much as the other person. If you're a taker and you're on that end of the spectrum, It's time for you to learn to be more of a giver, to see the other people that matter as much as you do. Which one are you naturally and which one can you learn and grow to become to develop more balance in yourself and therefore in your relationships? Um, That kind of leads me to the next one, which is balance and self-care sometimes seen as selfishness, not going to lie, but balance in someone who's really good at taking care of themselves versus selflessness. You don't matter more than the next person. You matter as much as the next person. So if you tend to be someone who's very selfless and you're constantly giving of yourself, you will burn out. We've heard this time and time again. There's not enough, enough fuel for you. There's not enough oxygen for you. There's not enough you being taken care of. Um, It is a virtue to be very selfless. But again, if you don't genuinely believe that you matter as much as the next person, it ultimately is not the best thing for you. So it doesn't mean you need to ping pong clear over to the other side and become selfish, which I've seen all too often, especially sometimes in cases of divorces, where I see one person who gave so much to the marriage that when they're out, they become the selfish one. And that's not what I'm talking about, ping ponging from one side to the other. I'm just saying, if you're very selfless and you're the giver, practice self-care so that you can get a little closer to the middle of that spectrum. Balance it out a little bit. All right. And if you're the selfish one, you know, sometimes it takes a, a good, hard, wow, life just smacked me in the face. But if you're the selfish one, it's time to practice selflessness and see what value that adds to your life when you give to another person, what perspective that adds to your life when you become selfless. So that's kind of a balance in that one. We've got balance in self reliance versus dependence. Um, Self-reliance is this notion of I can always take care of myself and my family. And sometimes people become quite prideful in it. I would never accept help. I'm self-reliant. I would never accept help. And then you don't have the opportunity for humility. So if you're so hardcore self-reliant, you haven't had the opportunity to practice humility. So if you're naturally a very self-reliant person, it's time to practice leaning towards humility. If you're super in the humility section and you're not practicing self-reliance at all, where you're constantly always dependent on somebody else, it's time for you to start practicing self-reliance. Is that making sense? Are you kind of grasping this notion? Who are you really like? What, which side of a truth on a balance are you really like? And it's time to start looking to the other side. What does that look like? I need to practice that because I came this way. Um, 
Balance and health. Do you work out too much or not enough? Care about your image too much or not enough. Like some of you, you're over the top caring about your image. And some of you could, you know, look in the mirror a little bit and practice, right? I mean, let's just face it. Do you eat too much or do you not eat enough? Do you take medicine too much or not enough? This year we found, do you believe all the doctors too much? Or maybe you don't believe enough, right? Which one are you and which one do you have the opportunity to practice to balance out who you are in this life? We're going to be talking quite a bit more about, and this is a fun one, money and balance. After the break, you are listening to the Dr. Marcy Show on Fed by Ravens Media. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Dr. Marcy show. Today, we are talking about the notion or concept of balance and not just balance in your daily life and balancing time, but really the balance of truths, balance of perspectives, balance of how you are, who you are in terms of how you behave, what your perspectives are. And ultimately, my hope is that you Uh, broaden your perspective so you can kind of see more of the truths that are out there in the world, the truths that other people have to offer, and hopefully that you can practice some of those truths in your own life. Um, And and really, that's my hope and goal that I hope to inspire people to be able to become more aware of themselves and their world around them. Because I really feel like that is how you become more of who you really are. So we were talking about this kind of notion of balance on a spectrum. When you picture a line and on one side, you have a truth of justice. And on the other line, you have a truth of mercy. And where do you fall on that line on selfishness or self-care versus selflessness? Um, These kind of two opposing truths that can be good, that can be virtues or that are virtues, but maybe you need to practice one side more than the natural part of you. Well, there's a really interesting Um, way to practice that in this world that I have found. And that is with your perspective of money. Now, money, we know, can be one of the the biggest contributors of contention in families. And so my hope is that maybe kind of talking about money, and especially given the nature of the unpredictability of 2020 and money moving forward, um, I want to talk for a little bit about balance with money. So this is, this is a personal learning experience, again, was um, with money. So I'm a natural saver. It's like something in my personality. I was a hard worker as a child, and I would save, save, save money. And I would spend it, you know, on something big, like a trip um, or a car. But I was naturally a saver from very young age. I had siblings that were not. So it's not this Everyone in the family was a saver. I was a saver. Other siblings were not. Didn't think that much of it other than that's just what I was, right? My ex-husband, so, you know, I was married in my 20s, and my ex-husband was a natural spender. And it was quite shocking in the beginning because he was totally fine to spend all the money that I had worked on. And um, I'm not lying here when I say this. Uh, First six months, he came home and said, I bought a boat today. 
So that was not asking me, not, I, I was like, well, do you know how to boat? And he said, no, but I want to. And how will we pull it? We don't have a vehicle to pull a boat, you know, and I'm, I'm a student in college and he came home and had bought a boat. Right. So it, it hit me really quickly. Like, okay, we're not on the same page with the saver, the spender. Right. But I can honestly tell you, I learned so much about the virtues of spending from him because there are virtues from both spending and saving. So again, picture that line, which side are you on? Do you lean more as a saver? Do you lean more as a spender? Okay. Just kind of picture yourself. And where do you fit on that line? Um, The key to figuring out which one you lean towards is, is, Uh, especially with the spending and the saving, you know, does it make you really nervous to spend money? Do you get angry if somebody else is spending money and you want to save? Is it contentious? Um, Because I found that a lot of times couples are not exactly on the same page. Is that shocking for any of you? (laughs) Couples not on the same page. Some want to spend more, others want to save more. (laughs) And um, I think it's actually a really good thing. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, no, it shouldn't be a good thing. But in my case, and from what I've seen, if you're with someone who's the opposite of you a little bit in that way, you learn from that. And hopefully they learn from you. And you kind of both come closer to the middle at some point in your perspectives. What I learned were these virtues of spending. With spending comes the boat, which offered a lot of really fun memories with us, family members, a lifetime of boating, all the fun that I got to have learning how to do all the different things behind a boat. Um, So in fact, I was really quite grateful that I was married to someone who was really fun and would spend money on fun and, and share his fun with everybody. I learned a lot about that. Another virtue of spending is um, generosity. He was incredibly generous with, with his money, with his things, with his time, uh, very generous in charitable ways would see people who are suffering. And so spending people who spend tend to, to uh, have an easier time giving their money to other people. And so there's this, this big virtue, I believe in spending. Now, of course, if you're clear on the other line of spending, you can also get in trouble financially because you're not paying attention to dotting the I's, crossing the T's. You're not paying attention to the future of saving. You're not paying attention to the virtues associated with saving. And um, anyway, I feel like I learned a lot. Two spectrums of truth, some things to consider there in your own personal relationships. Where do you fall in the line of spending and saving? What are the virtues you can see on one side versus the other? And where is it that you can grow to kind of get more balance in your world of spending. Um, And that balance really for me was a gem, a gem of a learning experience that I really needed moving forward in my life. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, let's talk for just a minute about other ways that you see and need balance in this life. And this one has more to do with how we fit in terms of balance in our world and in our society, and more particularly in the United States of America right now. But I think it can be uh, a consideration through many cultures and many societies around the world. How do we balance the notion of individualism versus collectivism? 
individualism is a society based on the individual can pursue their individual needs, wants, desires, freedoms, independence, etc. Versus a society of collectivism where you do, you behave in your life with uh, the background and culture of what is best for the society. So what is best for the family what is best for the community, what is best for the society or country at large. So there are virtues associated with collectivism and there are virtues associated with individualism. And we definitely saw a conflict here in 2020 with those who lean towards individualism in this country, free, individual freedoms of choice, uh, individuals' freedoms of health choice, et cetera, in 2020 versus the virtue of collectivism of, well, I need to behave in a collective fashion because I'm doing what's best for my family, my neighborhood, my community at large in terms of health. And there was quite the debate between these two styles of thinking, individualism versus collectivism. The thing that I found fascinating was each side believed they had the complete truth that they had the complete 100% virtue, whether it was a collective thought or the individualistic thought. And they thought the other side has it wrong, and this one thought the other side had it wrong. And I am here to say, put individualism on one side of a line and collectivism on another side of a line and try to look at the truths of both of them. When I say truths of individual freedom of choice, agency, um, meeting your own needs, desires, uh, being able to pursue the interests in your own life and making choices for yourself versus I care about my family's needs. I want to make sure we take care of them. I care about my community and I want to make sure we take care of them. And if I have to sacrifice some for the betterment of the community, I'm willing to do that. Don't all of them sound good and right? I think many of you are shaking your heads right now, right? You're shaking your heads. They both sound right. But we witnessed in 2020 a clash between them. We literally witnessed the clash. So how do we find balance between the concepts of individualism versus collectivism? I believe we can look to history. Some countries have been completely a collective country. And we can say, you know, and then they may sometimes will lean because the culture was collectivism. It leaned much easier into a state of communism because it was the culture was constantly that direction. And there was little individualism to say, hey, my needs matter as well. I can't pursue myself and know more about myself as well. And individualism in the United States of America, we were at a time more balanced. And now we've kind of leaned towards much more individualism, but how do we find that balance? Let's talk about that on the other side. You are listening to the Dr. Marcy show on fed by Ravens media. You can find this live or the podcast fed by Ravens
Welcome back. I'm Dr. Marcy here to help us all think more about being aware of ourselves and our world around us. And today, balance and finding balance in our perspectives and our awareness hopefully is what's going to help us get to the next level of understanding ourselves and those around us. We were talking before the break about balance in individualism versus collectivism. This is a very tricky notion. And when people ask me, how do you find balance there? How, how can you possibly do it? I say, let's look at history. Look at, let's look at societies and cultures. Learn from it. That's my first step. Learn from societies and cultures. Um, we have grown to become much more individualistic or, or going along the trajectory of individualism in the United States of America. But guess what? We've hit a road bump, a really big road bump that 2020 showed us, wait a minute, we might be not doing this all exactly the right way because it was very easy to stop, change, change the minds of people to turn to this like polar opposite side of thinking in terms of collectivism instead of finding the balance in a natural way, instead of looking at the balance in a natural way. So look at history, what works, what doesn't work, and then my best advice, and this is only advice because I'm going to be honest with you here, I don't know exactly how we find balance here. I don't know that anyone has figured out the answer to that question. But I can tell you this much. It's number one, become aware or at least broaden your awareness of the virtues of the other side of whichever side you're on. And then number two, practice. If you happen to be the person that thinks very, very individualistically and individualism is the way, it's, it would be helpful and I would behoove you to look the other direction and start practicing virtues of collectivism. If you're really hardliner collectivism, take a look at individualism and the virtues there and practice. This life is for us to practice. So try to become aware and then take steps towards practicing what you're not that great at, and you will see more balance in your life. You will be able to see more balance in your life. Which leads me to balance in mental health. Because guess what? This show mostly is about trying to help people develop strong mental health in our path moving forward. So awareness is the number one step to get there. But how do you practice strong mental health when it comes to balance? Well, let's be honest with yourself. Are you someone that focuses on your mental health too much? Or are you someone who doesn't focus on it at all? Some of you, I don't need to practice mental health and I'm just going to plow through life. No matter what it takes, I'm plowing through it. Most of you will find a time in your life where you will hit a brick wall and you will crumble to the ground and say, I can't get through this brick wall. Um, you don't have to get to that point of the brick wall if you're willing to practice right now some elements of, of mental health and good mental health. If you're willing to practice, you probably won't hit that brick wall going 60 miles an hour, okay? But then there's those of you who focus way too much on your mental health that you can't really get through each day. Because you're focusing so hard. Am I happy? Am I sad? What am I feeling? Am I feelings being um, taken care of? Have I 
developed all the relationships I need. You're like hyper-focused on the mental health portion of your life and not focusing on some of the other things that need to be taken care of. So if you're a hard extreme on either one of those, start practicing the other side. Walk towards the other side in your awareness and you're practicing each day. And that is how you will develop a balance with mental health. And guess what? We know in sports, if you have good balance, you're stronger at your game. So if you have more balance in the mental health capacity, you're going to be stronger at the game of mental health. You will develop stronger mental health. Try to develop that balance and you'll be, you'll be stronger. So this reminds me of a concept that I teach. So I teach college for those of you um, who are unaware at this point, but I teach mostly psychology classes and each semester that I'm teaching about maybe the left side or the right side of the brain and how they work together hand in hand. Again, there's a balance right there where we've got a left side and a right side of a brain and how it has to work together, right? That's another notion of a physical balance. But there's often this discussion about whether a person is more emotional or logical. And this is always a fun discussion with my college students. And I've noticed, you know, over the last 10 years or so that it's increasingly becoming a topic that logic is superior to emotion, um, especially with the, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to be gender specific here, but this is an observation that I've had in my classes that, that the males tend to believe that they are more logical and that girls are emotional. And sometimes they don't have the patience for an emotional girl that the girl just needs to become more logical. So they must of the college students are in that dating world. And so they like to portray dating stories of, oh, she was emotional. If she could get more logical than I would be all about her kind of comments, right? And the superiority of logic over emotion. And I look at the world and I think, you know, that is the message they're receiving for sure. This um, logic is better. We need to learn to suppress emotions. We need to learn um, all the tools necessary to not be emotional. And what I find fascinating is usually when they describe emotions, they're talking about people who are displaying hurt, those feelings of hurt, which sometimes leads to words like, you're just crazy, you shouldn't be hurt right now. Um, there's not very much focus on emotional outbursts of anger, um, or the ways that maybe the male gender portrays emotions, they don't see themselves as emotional. Um, and I, I think that's quite fascinating, but actually that really distracts from the, the conversation I'm really having about balance. So I apologize for kind of going down that road, but just be aware there's a wide range of emotions and one is not, you know, one can't say I'm not emotional when just, just because their emotion is a different kind of emotion. So that's, I'll just leave it at that. But is logic superior to emotion? How do you feel about it? Is logic superior to emotion? My question for my students when we have this, discuss this discussion is, well, then why are we designed with both? Why do we have both emotions and logic? And when I look at it from an evolutionary perspective, I would say, well, it's to survive our world. Sometimes we need that feeling of danger. Do I need to get out of here? And it's a feeling that tells us that. Our senses might not see, hear, smell anything, but the feeling inside of us gets us out of there. So maybe it started out and was needed just to survive this world. And quite frankly, we still need it to survive this world. 
but also um, it emotions oftentimes or feelings enable us to really connect with other humans in ways we otherwise wouldn't. So if we were robotic and logical all the time, how connected would we be with other humans? If there was no emotional connection to other people or experiencing tragedies together, experiencing joys together, experiencing anger together, experiencing frustrating frustrations together, how connected would we be? So I would say if you are on the spectrum of very logical, maybe it's time to start exploring emotions. And if you're on the spectrum of very emotional, maybe it's time to start exploring logic as part of more of who you are, because it's when you get to that balanced spot, that sweet spot, um, you become stronger in your mental health. You just do. Um, and that's, I will end with, that's where I developed this notion that I love the words maybe and sometimes, because when people ask me questions, well, what do I do about this? And I'm only given a slice of the information. I'll say, well, maybe, <laughs> or sometimes, because I just don't have a broad enough perspective. I just don't always have the broad perspective that I need to give the answer. And quite frankly, in making decisions for myself, I don't know enough information. So maybe that's the right way. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Um, and, and so the maybe and sometimes gives me the, it's kind of the, the light that tells me it's time to explore a little bit more. And that's where I find out more about balance in decision-making, balance in what direction to go, balance in how I should feel. So I hope that this discussion on balance will give somebody somewhere something to think about and, and a direction to turn to develop more balance in their own life. I do feel honored to share with you what I've learned from both life's hardships and observation and studying. And I hope that I get to hear more from you. You are welcome to email and ask me questions at askmarcy at doctor.com. And I'll be answering some of those questions online. We didn't have time today, but next time I'll carry over the questions for the next one. I'm Dr. Marcy Campbell, and I hope that you can be aware with eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand. 